Today's scripture reading comes from Genesis 12, 1 through 4, and then 15, 7 through 21. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And God said to Abram, I am the Lord who brought you out from Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. But he said, O Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? He said to him, Bring me a heifer three years old, a female goat three years old, a ram three years old, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he brought him all these, cut them in half, and laid each half over against the other. But he did not cut the birds in half. And when birds of prey came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. As the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram. And behold, dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. Then the Lord said to Abram, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs, and will be servants there, and they will be afflicted for four hundred years. But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterward they shall come out with great possessions. As for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried in a good old age. And they shall come back here in the fourth generation, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. When the sun had gone down and it was dark, behold, a smoking firepot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, To your offspring I give this land, from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates, the land of the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Cadmonites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Rephaim, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Girgashites, and the Jebusites. This is the word of the Lord. It is absolutely true and given to us in love. Well, good morning. A few weeks ago, I watched the historical drama miniseries called Chernobyl. How many of you have seen that? Uh, I commend it to you. It's a five-hour-long miniseries that details the people and the events surrounding the explosion of the number four nuclear reactor at Chernobyl, nuclear power plant in the Ukraine. And then after the explosion occurred, there were many heroic acts. And one of those acts was a mission given to three young Ukrainian men who had worked at the plant. The nuclear reactor, it had exploded and then it sits on top of these large tanks full of water. And those, that water, when it's operating effectively, cools the nuclear reactor. Well, when the explosion came and the nuclear reactor began to, to burn down, there was a fear that it would burn down and melt the tanks and then the tanks would explode. And if they exploded, it would take mist and water as far as Belarus and Kiev, killing up to 50 million people. And so the scientists that were trying to contain uh, the events at Chernobyl said, we need to send three men. They called them the divers into the bowels of the nuclear reactor plant that had exploded. And so three men took on this mission. 
and they suited up with their wetsuits, which wouldn't really help them much against the radiation that they were going to face. And they had flashlights, and they began to go deep into the bowels underneath the nuclear reactor and the power plant four. And at one point during this whole journey, the, the lights completely go out. And because they were so familiar with the plant, they were able to get to the valves that would open the sleuth gates, they would empty the tanks that would then save millions and millions of people. This mission was extremely dangerous. And the scientists working to contain the situation believed that these three men were going to their death. Yet these three men went. And the amazing thing about this story is that these men were willing to go on a mission. And as we look at our passage today, what we see is a story of another man who was also willing to go on a mission. And so as we look at our passages today, I want us to consider two things. First, the Great Commission. And then secondly, the assurance to obey. Let me pray for us. Father, we're grateful this morning for the opportunity to be here to worship you. Lord, we come to this place, many of us in many different states of mind and heart. We ask that you would speak to us this morning, that you would encourage us, that you would challenge us through your word. And we pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. So the first thing that I want us to consider as we look at this passage is the Great Commission. Now to put chapter 12 in context in Genesis 12, we need to look back in a moment to chapter 11. As Daniel talked about last week, God had established a covenant with Noah, promising Noah that after sending a great flood, he would repopulate the earth and never destroy it again. So Noah and his descendants, they populated the earth. And then in chapter 11, we see man's proclivity toward disobedience and sin. As the people began building this tower that would reach the heavens to make a name for themselves apart from God. And as they're building this tower, God looks down and he decides not to destroy them because he's staying true to his covenant promise. But he does allow them to suffer the consequences of their sin. And he scatters them throughout the earth. And he gives them different languages. It's called the Tower of Babel. And while this was certainly a very gracious response, it created a problem. A problem for God and his people. And the question now became, how can God now be known by a people that are scattered and divided over the earth? Well, we find the answer in Genesis 12, verse 1 through 3. The author writes, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great. 
so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now, interestingly, God here doesn't choose a mighty warrior or a great hero to establish his covenant. But instead, he chooses Abraham, a descendant of Shem from the Ur of Chaldeans. Abraham was in his late 90s and his wife, Sarah, who was barren, was in her early 90s. Not someone that you'd want to create a nation through. Abraham was not theologically astute. And in fact, many scholars believe that he worshipped local pagan gods at the time when God spoke to him. Yet what we see in God choosing Abraham is that God chooses ordinary people like you and me who don't have all the answers, who don't have our acts completely together to do extraordinary things for God. And God says to Abraham, I have a mission for you and your wife, Sarah. I want you to leave Mesopotamia. I want you to say goodbye to your extended family and your friends and all the comforts of home. And I want you to go to a land that I will show you. For I'm going to make you a great nation. Now, let me pause for a second, because I've always, as I've thought about this, the nation, I've always thought of it just in terms of a country with geographical boundaries. But Mike Williams, the author of the book, As Far as the Curse is Found, says that the reference to nation here is so much greater. He says God is promising Abraham that through him he is going to establish a cultural force within the world. Abraham will do more than be a father. He will be the progenitor of a political, cultural and religious entity that will stand for the kingdom of God in the world. God is establishing a people in the land of Canaan who through their faithful presence will demonstrate to the people scattered and divided throughout the earth that there is only one God, Yahweh. He is the creator of the earth. He is the Lord. And he's deserving of all of our worship. And as I was studying this this week, I asked myself, why of all places did God choose Canaan? Have you ever asked yourself that? Some people said there's a joke about Canaan that when, you know, God created the earth, all the leftover rocks, he kind of threw them into the land of Canaan. That's how difficult the land was. And it was an arid place and there weren't um, boundaries around it. And so invading armies easily would come in. And yet God chose Canaan to establish his people. Why? He chose Canaan because Canaan literally was the doorway to the world. All the nations would travel through Canaan to get to their destinations. And so God literally, it was like he was putting his people in a storefront on Main Street in the center of the town. He was saying, I want you in this strategic place to love me. 
And I'm going to bless you. And as I bless you, I want you to bless all of those folks who come through your land. God's great commission is to bless Israel so that they might be a blessing to the nations. God is going to bless them so that they might care for the oppressed and the outcasts, so they might bring justice and peace. And most importantly, so that others might be captured by the irresistible grace of God. And just as God called Abraham and the Israelites to go out, God is calling the church to be the progenitor of a political cultural and religious entity that will stand for the kingdom of God in the world. God is establishing a people who are called to act in conformity to his grace in the light of grace and the power of grace. It was through Israel then and now it is through the church that God promises to reach those divided and scattered Throughout the earth. And as I was pondering that. And I was pondering Hope Chapel. And our beginnings. I couldn't help but thinking about. The city of Greensboro. In 1891. Many started assigning the nickname. To the Greensboro. The Gate City. Because the city saw the arrival and departure. Of over 60 trains each day. This was also the same year that UNCG was founded. And because of the railroad system and the fact that Greensboro was strategically located in the middle of the state, it became the center of transportation or the gateway to the west, to the south, to the north. Very much like Canaan. And I believe God has called us here at Hope Chapel to be in this city, the gateway, so that we too might fulfill the great commission. So that we might seek renewal and restoration spiritually, culturally, and socially. And yet... The question that probably plagues all of us is how do we know that God is going to fulfill this commission? How do we know that God is going to use you to bring about restoration in Greensboro and beyond? How do we know that God is going to use our little congregation here, Hope Chapel, to be a light in this dark world? That's a legitimate question that I think, if we're honest, we all wrestle with. And it's a question that Moses himself wrestled with. If you look in chapter 15, I mean, Abraham, not Moses. Abraham asked God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? How am I to know that you are faithful? How am I to know that you are going to fulfill the Great Commission? And that brings us to the second part If we look at this passage, not only is it the Great Commission, it's also an offering to us of assurance. 
assurance for us to obey the Great Commission. If you look in verse 9, God responds to Abraham's question, telling Abraham, bring me a heifer three years old, a female goat three years old, a ram three years old, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And then you notice in verse 10, Abraham gathers the animals immediately. And he begins to cut the animals in half. And he lays each half over against the other, except for the birds that he didn't cut in half. Now you might be wondering, how did he know to do this? God didn't instruct him to cut these animals. Tim Keller says, Abraham knew what to do because in the ancient Near East, it was a storytelling culture. Therefore, instead of signing a paper contract like we do now when we get married or when we buy a house or a car, what they did then was they literally acted out the contract. And what Abraham here is doing is he's doing a covenant ratification ceremony. And in this ceremony, it represents the vassal servant and the Caesarean king, which is God, covenanting together. To bring about God's great commission. And so Abraham, knowing exactly what God is asking him to do, he lines up the separate pieces of the dead animals across from one another in preparation to ratify the covenant that God was making with him. The author tells us in verse 12 that as the sun was going down, Abraham fell into a deep sleep. And a dreadful and darkness Great darkness came upon him. And God spoke, telling Abraham what his future held. Now, I don't know about you, but as, as he, God speaks these things, they're not all very encouraging. God says to Abraham, you will be afflicted, your people, for 400 years. But the good news is I'll bring judgment on the nation that they serve. And afterward, they shall come out with great possessions. And as for you, Abraham, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried at a good old age. And then the author tells us something that certainly was extraordinary and would have caught Abraham off guard. He gives him a vision. And in this vision... He sees a smoking fire pot and a blazing torch. Now, interestingly enough, in the Hebrew, the smoking fire pot and the blazing torch is the same word in Hebrew is the same word that was used for God's presence on Mount Zion. And then Abraham. He saw the presence of God come down. The great Caesarean king. And what does he do? He passes through the pieces alone. God is saying, Abraham, I have promised to bless you. I have promised to make you a great nation. I have given you the great commission so that you are blessed, so that you might be a blessing to others. If I do not do what I am telling you that I'm going to do, then my immortality will become mortal. I, who am all-powerful, will become powerless. And like these animals, my body will be ripped 
to pieces. God is saying to Abraham, you want to know how you can trust me and my promises? You can trust me because if I don't fulfill them, I will give up my very life. And how do you know that you will be able to obey the Great Commission? We all know that our own propensity is towards sin. But if you look at this, normally the servant and sometimes the king would walk through the pieces. But in this beautiful vision, God walks through the pieces alone. God goes through the pieces for us. Saying, if I fell or if you fell, I will be cut off. And then centuries later, we read in the gospel accounts that as a result of man's failure, God entered our world. Darkness came over the world and Jesus Christ died on a cross. Jesus gave up his power and became powerless. Jesus, the immortal one, became mortal. Jesus, the mutable one, suffered mutation. Jesus' flesh was literally stripped from his body. Jesus died, and on the third day, he was raised from the dead. So Abraham, how do you know that God is going to be faithful to his covenant and his great commission? Because God walked through the cut pieces and Jesus Christ died on the cross and was raised to life. And how can we be assured that with all of our flaws and the proclivity to sin, that we will be able to carry out the Great Commission and join God in his great restoration project? Because God walked through the cut pieces and Jesus Christ died on the cross. Several m- months ago, I shared, it was actually on Easter week, that my next door neighbor had passed. And I had prayed, he had um, stage four lung cancer. I had prayed every day for three and a half years for my neighbor. And I was in the room and I watched him Passed from this life into the arms of Jesus. And I grieved his death. But if I'm really honest, the the several weeks following his death, I, I began to have this existential crisis. And began to really wrestle with, God, are you really committed to restoring people's lives? Are you really committed to bringing about renewal and restoration in this city? Are you really committed to pushing back cancer? Because honestly, I didn't feel like he was. And for three weeks, I was like, I'm not going to pray anymore. I literally, every day I pray. It's one of the first things I do. I was like, I'm not going to pray because it doesn't matter. You're not going to do anything. You're going to do what you want to do. And that continued for a while. And then the Holy Spirit in his gentleness came and he spoke. And he said, Todd, 
remember the cross. How do you know that God is going to be faithful to his promises? How do we know that he's calling us to be a part of the Great Commission and to be obedient regardless of what we see? How do we know? We know because Jesus Christ died on the cross and was raised and he is alive. And because of that, I'm praying again in the mornings for friends who are suffering with cancer. I'm praying for the city for renewal and restoration. I'm praying for God to fulfill his great commission. And when those doubts come in, which I'm sure they will, I'm going to remember God's covenant with Abraham. The fact that he alone passed through those animals. That he alone went to the cross. That he alone died. So that we might live. And so that God might bring about restoration and renewal of our whole city and the whole world. So if you're here this morning and you're wrestling with the same question that Abraham had, how do I know that you're going to give us the land? How do I know that you're going to fulfill your great commission? How do I know you're going to bring about restoration? How do I know that you're going to change my life and my heart, my struggles with sin? How do I know you're going to take care of my family? How do I know that you're going to bring those that don't know Jesus into a relationship with him? If you're wrestling with those questions this morning, you're not alone. Abraham wrestled with those questions. I wrestled with those questions. But we have assurance to obey because God is faithful to his covenant. And how do we know? Because Jesus Christ died on a cross and he is raised. And so will you lean into him this morning and trust him? Will you start praying again like I did? Believing the great commission, believing that God is faithful, that he will heal, that he will restore marriages, that he will bring about renewal in this city and beyond. The three divers in Chernobyl, they were given a nearly impossible task. Literally, everybody thought that when they walked into that nuclear reactor that they were dead men. But miraculously, all three of them came out of that reactor. and They had completed their mission. They had saved millions of lives. And two of those three men are still alive today, 30 years later. There's nothing that you can, the only way you can explain the fact that those three men survived is that we have a God who is in control. We have a God who is all-powerful. And we have a God who is faithful to his covenant promises. And so, My hope is that we will join with him in this great commission that we would be willing to leave homes 
and go wherever he calls us and faithfully live out the good news of the gospel. Amen.